Wow, dude, kudos to you. Do you drink much? I don't know. It's all a blur. I can't really say. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey, Spencer, how are you? I'm excellent, John. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Yeah? You excited to get, get into React Native Nerds, start this new podcast? I am, yes. Um, this is sort of rekindled. I started a project a while ago about Fastlane, and I only really did the intro video, and uh, last <laughs> night I dug out the book again. So, um, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm really excited. Good stuff. Now that I have all the, the mic and everything set up, you know, there's no right. reason not to do more with it. Yeah, I got to have that crispy audio to make make sure it's a pleasure listening. So That's what right. is this uh, React Native nerds that we're starting here? Um, I think uh, we really just sort of thought we would dive into a different topic each week and just sort of help out developers. I know when I started, I was looking for resources, and there's really not too many React Native podcasts out there that uh, really dive into things. There's some interview ones, and they're really good, um, but there aren't any that really dive into specific topics uh, really to help out people. Yeah, just kind of like a casual discussion around different topics. Kind of like that water cooler chat that developers may not be the best at communicating things, but uh, yeah, just kind of talking about different things like, you know, what is context in React or what is React Native Navigation? Do we want to upgrade to the latest version? That's all foreshadowing. Uh, do we want to upgrade, do these different things? Just kind of a general conversation from two, two developers' perspectives, see what's, what's going on there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know... You know, you read docs, you watch tutorials, sometimes things are hard to grasp. You don't really know whether you should add whatever the library is to your app or not, or what benefit it is. You know, I listen to some of these interviews and, um, you know, our listeners will soon find out that you are the expert in this relationship. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I listen to somebody talking about some new library or whatever, and, and I don't know whether I should jump on board and implement that or not. So I'm hoping that as we hit these different topics, not only will we jump in, dive deep about them, but really help people to understand why you would even want to or not want to implement what we're talking about. Yeah, because I mean, that's there's so much great software out there that it's not, you know, should I or shouldn't I use this? Uh, well, I guess somewhat it is, but just it's hard to make that choice. It, it's analysis paralysis. So just getting some quick, insightful thoughts about a different thing hopefully insightful, of what are our experiences with this or researching it. Yeah, and I think this will be valuable because, as I alluded to, you are the expert here. Um, you do a lot of things React Native, and uh, I've only done a few. So I think my my view of the whole topic is going to help. I'll probably ask some stupid questions, um, probably on purpose because I'll have researched them before we talk <laughs> so I can sound intelligent occasionally. But um yeah, I think this will be pretty good. Since we're on that topic, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? How did you get into React Native? Yeah, I'm going to take it way back to how I got into software development in general. Um, so back in high school, I was 100% planning to go into the Air Force Academy. I had application out there. I had my uh, nomination, all that stuff set up. But I figured, you know, if I want to get into the Air Force, which I wanted to get into a more technical job, somewhat i wanted to fly the c-17 globemaster which is a cargo jet which is just Very awesome specific. 
Yeah, I was I was 100% set. Still sometimes wish I went that route. So anyways, I knew I wanted to do that. So I, I wanted to build some tech chops to just make everything look better and hopefully help in getting accepted into either the Air Force Academy or ROTC. Took a tech class in high school. Um, and through that, I had a teacher who I'd, I'd never resonated with a teacher before until this one. And in that class, we did, um, I think it's called Business Professionals of America. And I had to build a website. And through that, I got to meet some really, really interesting people who are in the startup world, which I'd never heard of, building cool stuff. And they were just showing me how to use, it was Ruby on Rails that they were showing me. And it was just like really cool. I could take this thing I had in my mind and build it and actually be able to use it. So with that, just started this whole interest into software development, business, the startup world, all that stuff. Um, so I went on, went to college for a couple years and interned with some different development shops. And in that time, I got to work with Meteor.js and then my first uh, intro to mobile development, which was through Cordova. I never really had big issues with Cordova. One, I just didn't know what I was doing. So I just figured all the bad code I was writing was my fault, and it was, but also there were some issues with Cordova. Worked with that for a couple of years, and then we had a client who was adamant about not using Cordova. They had like years of software development, and they just needed some hired guns to help build their initial app. I was confused why they didn't want to use Cordova, but I was like, whatever, you know. I like these people I'm working with. I want to get paid, so I'll just use whatever they tell me to. And that's where I was introduced to React Native. And I was like, oh, wait, maybe our not-so-great apps weren't actually because of me 100%. They were also, in part, Cordova's a little bit tricky to work with or to build really nice mobile apps. That was very politically correct. Good <laughs> I try to be nice. I know, like, I'm not smart enough to write this stuff, so I don't want to tear into anyone who, like, spent all that time building it. Uh, but yeah, Cordova, Cordova, it's not a native mobile experience. And you can tell as soon as you start using the app. Uh, so we started using React Native. We were building on this thing for like nine months, I think. And it was a really, really good experience. And the rest of the development team uh, at the kind of the parent company I was working with, they're all like, you know, these apps work really, really well. We want to start moving our other projects. Cause it was just lots of projects were coming through the door. We started transitioning to React Native in general. Um, and I just started writing some things to get the rest of the team on board. And the only way we really had anything to share or any way to share knowledge amongst the company, because I was remote at the time, the other guys who were using React Native were also remote. So the company blog was the best way to share that information among us. Uh, other people using React Native, I should mention, this was back in 2015 when React Native first came out, or it was first open sourced. So I've been writing this stuff for quite some time in terms of React Native years. Uh, we started sharing that, started picking up some steam, and then uh, just started continuing to write that content because it was really fun. It was kind of more rewarding than the work I was doing on some internal business app. Did that for a while, a couple more years, built a few more React Native apps with the company. And then we, well, I had a discussion with the co-founders slash my mentors at uh, the dev shop. And they're just basically, you know, I was 20 something at the time. Uh, and they're like, you know, just kind of say, screw it, throw caution in the wind, go out on your own and sp see what happens when you try teaching full time, uh, what you're doing in your nights and weekends here anyways. 
So it's like, you know, screw it, let's do this. Uh, so in 2017, I decided to kind of jump into React Native consulting and teaching full-time. Basically, since then, I've been splitting my time 50-50, React Native consulting, and then React Native teaching. What is it? It's April 2020 now. So I've actually been using React Native for like four and a half years, which I'm not good at development. I'm just good at getting a lot of time in on certain things. So like <laughs> the, what is it? 10,000 hours of development. Like I think I've definitely hit that with React Native. And I think that's uh, something that's really nice for me is like I've, I've spent time through every iteration of every navigation library working on those, seeing the different pain points and the different learning experiences, all the little quirks in React Native. And it's just been a fun journey and something I've been really, really grateful to be involved in is building these cool apps with this cool technology and a really cool tech uh, community. Do I remember that you helped write some docs on one of the versions? Yeah, I helped with React Navigation in like version two or so. Basically, I was involved in React Navigation during its darkest days. Uh, I would like to say I was probably a reason for that. Just, you know, someone gave me <laughs> the ability to merge things. And I think they're still suffering from some of the things I merged. Uh, that was a short-lived thing, but I did try to help out on React Navigation. And yeah, so any any breaking changes, you're like, what? I was depending on this thing. That, oh, that was probably my fault. So Blame Spencer. I apologize for that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. John, what about you? What's your, how'd you end up here in React Native land? How do we end up on this podcast together? Um, wow. So I'm kind of like you. I've had a computer since I was little. Um, by little, I mean like 11 or 12, which really isn't crazy now because everybody has computers, but I'm kind of an old guy. And back when, <laughs> when I was that age, there were only a few computers in my neighborhood and my best friend, ironically, his name is Jonathan also. Um, <laughs> we both got computers that one summer. And, um, so he had a, a TI 99.4A, so that'll date, date this. And I had a <laughs> Commodore VIC 20 and, um, it was really cool because as I was learning, he was learning and we would write games, you know, and then look at the code to see mm. how things were different and whatnot. So that was a lot of fun. And so I've just been sort of a geek, nerd, computer guy all my life. Went to college. I have a degree in economic crime investigation uh, with a concentration in computer security. So computers have just always been part of my life. And I worked in computer okay. security for six or seven years right out of college. At that job, I got into web development and learning how to build websites and how to interact with sites and make them active. You know, classic ASP applications horrible, horrible things. <laughs> I just, I just love that stuff. Um, and then I worked for a dot com. If anybody listening is old enough to remember that, that was uh, pre 2000 and, um, all these, <laughs> all this money, this crazy money was getting flooded into these internet companies. You know, it was the Googles before Google was around, you know, you'd have ping pong tables and all that, mm. that craziness. And it got really, <laughs> really big and really, really small and finally dissolved. I, moved to a couple different jobs. I was part of a user group who had a an annual conference and it started out pretty small. It was like maybe 200 people and they got to three or 400 people and they decided they wanted to try a mobile application. That was my entry into mobile, really. I really hadn't tried. Okay. Back then, making a mobile website was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That was before <laughs> CSS media queries. 
you literally had your main website and then your main website slash M for mobile. So if you're going right, to a yep. website or some company was advertising their mobile website, it was always a slash M on the end. That was like industry standard back then. So I, I learned through those, but I, I've used jQuery mobile. I used a product called Row Mobile, which was Ruby based. And you wrote your application with Ruby and mm. compiled it. Then I moved over to AppCelerator. I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard that. And that was back with um, CommonJS. Then they introduced Alloy with XML. AppCelerator Alloy worked for me for a couple of years. And then um, I hit a wall with it. And I hit a wall at a really bad time. I had to get an Android app together. And um, I always do iOS and Android. And the Android app, I could not get to compile. And um, I ended up... <laughs> and so I do conference apps. And I have a, a side business that does conference stuff. And um, so this conference happened without an Android app because I couldn't get get past this issue. And so that sort of spoiled mm. me. And I'm not an expert at all. You know, I, I dive shallowly under the surface and learn enough that I need to know and, uh, you know, to get the job done. So it's very possible somebody that really knows Alloy inside and out could have been like, oh, yeah, you're being a dumbass. You know, do it this way or whatever. <laughs> so then I started investigating and really searching. I had a short stint with uh, Native Script. I played around with that for a while. By a while, I mean a couple months because I needed to figure out what I was going to do really quickly. I heard about React Native. You know, big companies were using it. And at that time, I thought, oh, well, if I learn this, you know, maybe I could get a job as a mobile developer somewhere. You know, it, it's going to help me in my side mm -hmm. business and potentially in the future as well. So I sort of jumped into that. That's sort of how I found you because you Google React Native tutorials and there's a good chance Spencer's face is going to pop in on one of those links. Uh, <laughs> has a ton of free tutorials, a ton of free videos, has Handlebar Labs and uh, React Native School, which have kind of merged together. This really good Slack group where you can jump in and, and ask people for help and whatnot. So um, he really came in at a time of need for me because I had to quick uh, ramp up, you know, build this application for a conference that was quickly coming up. So I had to learn pretty quickly and you sort of saved my bacon on that. So that's, I mean, that's how our paths crossed and we've chatted on and off for the last couple of years. I think the idea for this podcast came about maybe last year, maybe longer than that. I don't really remember, but we were both really busy. And then um, I had a job transition I think there's a lot of really good things happening in the community, and I think uh, we can really help participate in that and help out some developers by talking about some really good topics. I have a couple apps in the App Store, nothing that your listeners are going to want to download because they're conference-specific, and all those conferences have passed, and because of COVID-13, there's no more conferences. So that <laughs> um, that's sort of dwindling down. You know, Do you have apps in the App Store? Like you mentioned, your part-time work with teaching and, and doing React Native? Yeah, so in terms of apps, I've built a handful over the years. Um, I probably deployed around 12 unique apps with React Native, but uh, most recently and most notably, well, we'll start with most recently. I, I split my time 50-50 teaching and uh, consulting. In my consulting time, I spend about 80% of my time with a specific client called Spectrum, which is a a medical app that just kind of helps 
hospital networks format and share content uh, with the different doctors and different teams within their organization. So that's where I spend 80% of my time as myself and another developer uh, or building this mobile app. And it's actually been really, really interesting with everything related to COVID-19 going on right now. They've been super busy oh, getting bet. just like there's so much information changing and it, it's really important to get it into people's hands as quickly as possible. So we've actually seen quite a bit of adoption in this app just as a means to a more modern way to distribute all this information. Work on that. I've worked on a bunch of... Well, before you go on, yeah. do you know the user base? Do you know how many people actually use that? I don't. We've got... Okay. I don't know. It's a couple dozen hospitals in here. So <laughs> despite working on this app, a little sidebar, I can't read most of what's in this app. So like it's all these different drug names and pathogen names and like... I mean, it's like reading Latin. I mean, I guess most of it is based in that. Mm. So it's just, it's really funny. Like I know the data really intimately. I know all these tens of thousands of lines of code, but when it comes to like what is actually being presented, I don't know. Like I need, I basically need a translator anytime I'm trying to figure out, is this what it's supposed to look like? That's great. Yeah. It, it's been interesting. And then like looking at the way the hospitals are organized, um, they're based out of Canada. That's where most of the user base is. Oh, you're building apps for Canadian pharmacy, huh? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really, I don't fully understand the way the hospitals work and these hospital networks because like each one of our, our clients has up to a dozen hospitals or dozens of hospitals within it. And then breaking down from there is the end user somewhere in a given hospital. And then some of these clients are, basically there's no authentication, so we don't have a definitive way to track users that way i mean like i'm sure the business side the actual like stakeholders in spectrum they know all that stuff yeah that's something those were one of those things where i'm just like yeah you know i'm just gonna i'll just build the app but um so is all the data self-contained or does it interact with the back end so the way it works um i guess in hospitals is the wi-fi is notoriously terrible inside of a hospital so what we do is you basically download the client data just a giant JSON blob of all of this data. And then we use that to then basically build all these pathways of data in the app. And then we periodically have an API where we check, has the data been updated since they downloaded it? And then we prompt them to upload, sorry, download that data uh, to get it if they're on a decent Wi-Fi connection. That's kind of that general workflow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been um, interesting. It's challenging it's been tricky to figure out how do you build that basically we have this 100 percent offline app that still has really intricate nesting and connection of data between each other so it's been a lot of really interesting learning because like that's not i'm used to just using like a rest api or something and anytime i want data i just make a request for it and it's there i don't really have to think about the data too much an app that i did build or was part of this was actually with the same developer from spectrum was the Olympics app for the most recent Olympic Games, which I think were the Winter Olympics in Korea. So like the- I told you, yeah. you're an expert, you're, you're a professional, you're a star, <laughs> the Olympics app. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a really, really cool, really, really terrifying app to build because it was just like, there's so many moving pieces going on with an organization that big and an event that big. And like, it's kind of a, a switch you just 
zero to a million users like instantly. Fortunately, like mobile side, things worked pretty well, like the backend team. I don't even know how you would prepare your servers to handle that influx of data because there's like live video <laughs> streaming. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. Like one, in addition to just building an app that was had so many users right out of the gate and kind of guaranteed users. It was also like my first experience into building an app that is localized to dozens of different languages and figuring out how the hell do you oh, do right, that? Right. So that was a super, super cool project to work on. One and just like, you know, it's great for course sales. Like, oh yeah, you know, I worked on the Olympics app, blah, blah, blah. Um, but also just like all the really unique challenges of having so many users, having so many languages, having to work with so many teams in native development where like our release flow is a lot slower than it is on the web, for example. So yeah, I've gotten to work on a bunch of apps, but those are kind of the two most notable or the ones I'm actively working on right now. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Is that still in the App Store? Uh, I have no idea. I don't think so. I think they replaced it with like a, a standby app that basically makes all of the app or all of the content that was produced during the Olympics available, whereas the app we worked on was very much focused on the real-time aspects. So basically everything we see on TV has a significant time delay. And then the app we were working on was trying to basically allow people to keep up to date with different events they were interested in real time. Like what were the scores, if there was streaming content, like real time streaming content available, uh, they can get that within the app while waiting for the, you know, half pipe event to actually be aired on NBC or whatever. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so fortunately, no one can see how rough that app was. It, it worked. It was just a lot of late nights trying to make sure everything was working on there. And was that just the two of you? Or did you work in conjunction with the Olympic Committee? Or like, how how did this happen? I don't know how it happened. It's I still don't understand that one. Yeah, it's it's just a blur. But it was just the two of us who were actually building the end user app. And then there was some other company that did the streaming video and they would just kind of supply us with React Native components that did not work that we would have to integrate into the app. So there was like a lot of stuff where we would get tens of thousands of lines from them and, you know, no no disrespect to them, but they didn't know how React or React Native worked. So there was a lot of hacks that they were doing that just like they didn't work. So nothing was working for us when we actually tried to use these components. We'd be sent their code. We'd put it into our project. Then we'd have to make changes to their code to make it work in our project. But then they'd send a new version of their code. So we'd have to try to oh, merge man. those two together. And oh, it was oh, just oh. like a lot of manually testing. And it was just like this big house of cards where we we're just like, if we can just make it through the Olympics, we're good. It was a sketchy The longest situation. two weeks of your life. Exactly. Yeah. It's two weeks but long, right? I think. I think the main stuff is two weeks, but then there's... It, it, oh, it can drag on for watch. quite some... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like the the ski ballet might may not be televised, but hmm. they throw that on down on the talent, whatever awesome. it may be. Yeah, it was I'm a I'm sure everybody can relate. I can think of projects that I've had like that, but not on that scale. That sounds right. terrifying to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have like, an app and there might be 600 people at the conference, you know, and it does like the like your spectrum app has to work offline because hotel wireless notoriously sucks, just like hospital. Wireless. Right. Yeah. 
I am just terrified that uh, it's not going to work for them. And it's just a conference. Mm -hmm. So, right. Wow, dude. Kudos to you. Yeah. Do you drink much or did you drink much? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's all a blur. I can't really say. Yeah. 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 That's great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, So I know like we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I don't know, just kind of like the overall vision for this podcast. So, I mean, I think we mentioned it. I don't know if we mentioned it, but like the podcast name is React Native Nerds, just kind of focusing on React Native stuff and shooting the shit around it and seeing, you know, what what's going on, what's what's fun, what's interesting and discussing what we're working on in this wild world of software development. We have some topics that we're going to be covering the next three episodes we have planned out. Well, we have uh, React Navigation version five, React Native Navigation version five, uh, mm-hmm. which you're a little bit of an expert on. I think uh, love that library. And um, and then what's the third one? The third one is Flipper, which Flipper, isn't yes. necessarily. It's not that dolphin. Yeah, it's not necessarily from the 70s. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This isn't a necessarily a React Native specific one, but in I think it's React Native version zero six two, Flipper kind of like became a default within the library, and it's like this really really cool debugging tool. So I've been playing around with that one. I'm really really excited to talk about it. Um, and kind of urge people to upgrade to 0.6.2 of React Native to start leveraging and playing with it because it's it, it's uh it's really cool. Anyways, I'll save it for the episode. Yeah, I can't wait because uh, Chrome Dev Tools are good to a point. Exactly right, and then like Flipper just takes it to this whole new level. Yeah, it, and it's I've, good stuff. I've I'm gone excited down about rabbit it. holes trying to get uh, breakpoints to work in uh, VS Code, and you know all mm. sorts of things. So this is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah. really, I mean, you know, we have Twitter at React Native Nerds. So if there's topics you want us to cover, please feel free to let us know. Um, you know, if you have any uh, other comments about the podcast, if you have ideas, you know, we're totally open up for suggestions. Yeah, definitely. Whatever you want to hear discussed, um, hopefully we can put something together that's interesting or, you know, just kind of fun to water cooler chat or uh yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, and we'll yeah. have to do, you know, the, the trope of our dev setups because everybody wants to know all the tools you use. We'll probably throw that in there eventually. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, John, this has been a pleasure. I'm really, really excited for React Native Nerds. I'm excited to get into the kind of the meat and the potatoes of all this wild stuff of React Native. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited and thank you all for listening. Uh, Hopefully I'll see you on the next 100 episodes. All right, yeah. Start planning that 100 anniversary. Yeah, exactly. You got to start with the end in mind. All right, well, take it easy. All right, you too. I'll talk to you later. Yep, bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can get show notes and leave comments at reactnativenerds.com.